Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Hi, welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. In this episode, I'm going to go over some different types of chlorines, and I'll go over the pros and cons of each type. There are several different kinds of chlorine products out there, and each one has a pro and con. So I'm going to touch on these today, and maybe in a couple of follow-up podcasts as well. Pool Service Pro, open a Leslie's Wholesale account today and receive wholesale pricing on products you use every day. Leslie's Pool Supply offers convenient locations that are open 7 days a week. Another great benefit of opening a Leslie's Wholesale account is Leslie's Referral Program. Get referred to a customer looking for weekly pool service. Save time and money and grow your pool service route and become a Leslie's Pro. So there are four chlorine types that are very commonly used out there in pool service. You have liquid chlorine, you have calhypo, you have trichlor, and you have dichlor. You also have gas chlorine, which is not really popular in California. In fact, I haven't seen a gas chlorine truck in years. But these were very popular back in the 80s and 90s, maybe into the 2000s, and then they slowly disappeared. But gas chlorine was basically a a chlorine delivery system that you would pay for. It was in a cylinder, like a CO2 tank, or like the tanks they used to blow helium balloons up at Party City. And... These, they would just pump the chlorine gas into the pool. It was pretty much pure chlorine. In fact, Bob Lowry had said that gas chlorine is actually the baseline for all the percentages used for the chlorine types out there. So gas chlorine, of course, is no longer being used in my area and most areas around the country. And also lithium hypochlorite is very similar to um, calhypo, I guess, if you want to get the closest correlation. And it's not super popular either. I haven't seen it in stores in California, so I would assume that it's a chlorine type that's past this day also. So you're left with liquid chlorine. You have calhypo, calcium hypochlorite, trichlor, which is the tablets that you're familiar with, three-inch tablets, and then dichlor, which is a granular form of chlorine. So those are the four main types of chlorine. So I'll start by focusing on liquid chlorine, which is as close as you're going to get the gas chlorine, even though the percentage is a lot less. The scientific chemical name is sodium hypochlorite. And as you can guess by the name, there's salt in there. So the sodium part of it is a byproduct. Now, every chlorine type is going to have a byproduct. And I would say salt is probably the byproduct that you have to worry the least about. You can buy liquid chlorine at your hardware store. You can buy it at your grocery store. You can buy Clorox bleach, which is the same thing. as the same basic ingredient, sodium hypochlorite, just in a weaker state. You can buy chlorine at your pool store. And I recommend buying the chlorine somewhere where you know that the stock is moving and it's not getting old. I once did a green pool cleanup for a customer and she went to the 99 cent store to buy her chlorine, her actually her Clorox bleach. And so she had... A bunch of these, you know, quartz out there by your pool for me to add in there. And I was like, well, I guess I'll use it up. She has the chlorine available. It was like 20 of them over by her pool. So I started dumping them in. And I noticed, first thing I noticed was that it looked like it was really like just water I'm pouring in there. 
And then I touched it. And if you ever touch bleach or liquid chlorine, you can feel kind of slimy. It kind of builds up on your hand and it, it gets the kind of the slimy feel. Well, I poured it on my, I touched it with my hand and there was nothing. It felt like water. And I look at the bottles and they were like expired like a year ago. One reason why they were probably at the 99 cent store. And so you want to make sure that the stock is fresh because it does have a shelf life. Now it's never going to get to zero like that. Well, it probably will get to zero like that if you, if it's a year or more old, but if you wait like three months to use it, you won't be at zero, but you might be at the half life of the liquid chlorine. I believe it's, it goes a little bit longer, but I would say you want to make sure you're using fresh liquid chlorine because if you're getting the Hasa brand, it's 12.5%. They try to keep that as fresh as possible from the day they bottle it to the day you get it at the store. So you want to make sure you get it at a pool store and you get something that you know is going to hold the percentage. Now, if it drops down from 12.5 to 10%, it's not terrible. But if it drops from 12.5 to 6.5, then you've really cut that strength in half. So you want to make sure that you use it up before the half-life, which is about 90 days, maybe a little bit longer, depending on how you store it. But it does deteriorate to that half-life, and it may get to zero like the the bleach that I mentioned at the beginning when I was doing the green pool cleanup the customer had purchased over a year or two of being left on the shelf. Some things I like about liquid chlorine is the fact that you're not adding any cyanuric acid when you're using it. It's considered unstabilized chlorine, Basically, what that means is there's there's no cyanuric acid in it. They call cyanuric acid, back when I first started pool service, they called it a stabilizer, believe it or not. And then the word conditioner started coming out. I'm not sure where that came from. So stabilizer, and then the cyanuric acid translated into or converted into conditioner. And now I think it's back to just being called cyanuric acid. Some people still call it a stabilizer when they're marketing it. And basically what cyanuric acid does is protect the chlorine from being burned off rapidly by the UV rays that hit the, that are high in the summer, hit the pool water and burn off the chlorine. So there is some need for stabilizer or cyanuric acid in the pool. With liquid chlorine, you want to keep that level at 50 parts per million as a baseline. And that means that if you add anything over 5 parts per million of liquid chlorine in the pool, it's not going to be protected because the cyanuric acid level correlates to the parts per million of chlorine in the water. So if you had a, not exactly, but, you know, close scientifically. So if you had 50 parts per million of cyanuric acid, it'll protect about five parts per million of chlorine in the pool. And on average, with the cyanuric acid level at the acceptable range, let's just say 50 parts per million, you're going to lose one part per million of chlorine per day in that pool. So if you poured in, let's say, a gallon of 12.5% liquid chlorine on a Monday, and you ra you raise that chlorine level to, I'm just going to keep it simple and say five parts per million. By Friday, it should be near zero because each day you lose about one part per million. And this is with no one swimming in the pool with normal conditions without algae or anything unusual. Running the appropriate amount of time, you're going to lose one part per million. Now, if the UV index is much higher, like sometimes in the summer, in the high desert here or Texas, you're going to lose a lot more than one part per million per day with that high UV index. So that's just a ballpark kind of thing. So one of the drawbacks with liquid chlorine is that you're going to have to add it maybe twice a week, sometimes three times a week because you have no stabilizer in that chlorine. So how would that look for pool service? Well, back in my day before tablets were popular, 
and I'm going way back to the early 90s, we would leave a case of chlorine at a customer's house and we would use one gallon when we were there at the service visit and we would leave the rest there for the customer and possibly with a note on there telling the customer, add one gallon. If you're there on a Tuesday, you would have the customer add that on a Friday. And then by the time you came back, you should be fine. You would add another gallon yourself and then there'd be one more gallon for the customer to add. And then you would replace that case of chlorine and leave a new case the following week for the customer and for you to pour into the pool. Not the greatest method, albeit because you're relying on the customer to pour a gallon of liquid chlorine in during the week when you're not around. So they have liquid feeders. You have Pentair. They have an IntelliChem. You have the RollerChem. Hasa has a liquid chlorine feeder. So these are fairly popular. In fact, when I was doing commercial accounts back again, In the early 90s, every commercial account had a liquid chlorine feeder and you would just have a big giant container of chlorine delivered and you would put it in the equipment room. So this was common practice. And then tablets started to become popular. So the liquid feeder technology kind of took a back seat. And again, the liquid feeders are more prevalent now again with, you know, Pentair and with Rolacam and with Hasa making a feeder. And this is how the chlorine would be introduced into the pool during the week. So you didn't have to leave a gallon of chlorine for the customer to pour in. You would just set the output. A lot of the digital ones, you set the chlorine level you want to maintain. It'll add the liquid chlorine for you during the week to maintain the specific parts per million of chlorine that you set in the Rolochem or the Pentair IntelliChem. I guess the last negative would be the fact that liquid chlorine takes up a big footprint. So if you have a house and you're storing it there, a lot of cities are really cracking down on pool pro storing chemicals at their property. There's been some incidents in California, one in Hemet that I can recall where someone had chemicals in their garage that burned down. And of course, the contamination from that causing the evacuate the neighborhood. So the city is cracking down hard on chemical storage. So having, you know, 10 cases of acid and 20 cases of chlorine in your backyard is kind of frowned upon by a lot of municipalities and cities. Is something that is somewhat of a drawback with liquid chlorine because it takes up a bigger footprint in the backyard or in your storage shed. And the other drawback I mentioned was the shorter shelf life. You want to store it in a cool, dry place out of direct sunlight. Keeping, you know, four cases in the back of your truck the sun's hitting the back of your truck all day long while you're driving, it's going to degrade that chlorine faster than if you kept it in a shed or somewhere in the patio where it's shady. So remember those drawbacks with liquid chlorine. Now the pros, of course, I think far outweigh the drawbacks. I mentioned that it's not stabilized. There's no cyanuric acid in there. So if you are trying to keep your cyanuric acid lower in your pool because maybe you've had a problem where you're fighting it, let's say that even if your pool's at 100 parts per million cyanuric acid. You can switch over to liquid and get off of tablets so that doesn't keep going up. You could do some partial drains, maybe while the pump's running, drain the pool for 20 minutes, and then you can add some fresh water. That'll get the cyanuric acid level down. But even at 80 to 100 parts per million, liquid chlorine is still really effective. It's not going to add any more cyanuric acid to the pool. Now, I mentioned that sodium is a byproduct, and it's probably the byproduct that least affects your pool as part of the total dissolved solids and it's one of the elements in there. So at a certain point, if you get too much sodium in the pool or your pool has too much salinity, it does affect how that pool reacts to the uh, things that are in that water. Total dissolved solids is probably the best way to describe it is all the junk le- left over in the pool. 
after the fresh water evaporates. So a lot of things only evaporate out of the pool, like salt, calcium. If you have cyanuric acid, that won't evaporate out of there. And so you'll have to do a partial drain. If you're using just pure liquid chlorine as your primary sanitizer, I would say you're going to do a partial drain every month of maybe an inch of water or two inches and refill it with fresh water because the salt doesn't evaporate. So you have to drain partially just to maintain a good TDS level. Or you could just do it every three or four years and drain the entire pool. However you want to do it to keep the TDS level within a certain range. So the liquid chlorine does contribute to the TDS level of the pool. The only way to test TDS, total dissolved solid, is with a digital meter. So what you would do is you would test the tap water just to see what the tap water is coming out at. Then you would test the pool water with the TDS meter, and they recommend 1,500 to 2,000 parts per million. And so you would simply take the pool water measurement, subtract it from the tap water, that'll give you your actual TDS. Now, if you're wondering, you know, does salt really affect the TDS badly? I would say it doesn't, or affect your pool badly, I should say. Because if you've ever had a saltwater pool or a pool with a saltwater generator, you'll check the TDS and it's going to come out at like 5,000 parts per million because that pool has a lot of salt in there and that uh, that's one of the things that the TDS meter will measure. And so, yes, salt does contribute to TDS and it does make it harder sometimes to maintain that pool. But a lot of saltwater pools that you convert to chlorine because maybe the cell's not working or some other problem or they don't want to buy a new salt cell... I've maintained pools that had a TDS of 5,000 because it was full of salt from a salt system that wasn't working any longer, and they maintained fairly easily without much of a problem. So the high salinity level is not detrimental to the balance of the pool or the care of the pool, and I think it's something that you can easily address by doing a partial or full drain of that pool. So what's the main difference of using, say, a chlorine from a pool store, 12.5%, Versus going to Walmart and buying, you know, Clorox bleach or Costco, the main difference is the strength. So the Clorox bleach may be 7.5%. I think that's probably the highest I've seen it. That's like the ultra strength. And then liquid chlorine is 12.5. So if you go to an online calculator like the poolcalculator.com, or if you're using another app, you will put in the amount of chlorine percentage. It'll tell you how much to add to the pool. And so basically, if you have a lower percentage, 6.5%, you're going to add more product to the pool to be effective or raise the chlorine to an effective part per million. Rather than a chlorine at 12.5%, you're going to use less of that product. So you have to do the math per ounce. How much is the Clorox bleach versus buying chlorine at your local pool store? And I almost guarantee you that paying extra for the liquid chlorine at the pool store is a better deal than buying Clorox bleach at at the supermarket because Clorox bleach used to be really cheap and used to be affordable. And I can tell you right now that it's not nearly as affordable as liquid chlorine. So I would recommend you going to the pool store and getting liquid chlorine versus using Clorox bleach in your pool just for the fact that the inflation has hit that industry pretty hard and it's no longer something that's inexpensive to use. Liquid chlorine is also safe for all pool types and it's really easy to use. You just simply pour it into the pool. Now, there are some people that say you shouldn't pour it when the sun's directly hitting it. Sometimes that's hard to do if you have to put the chlorine in. So I usually pour it in the area of the pool where it's shady. Sometimes it's unavoidable. I don't think it's a major factor. I just pour it low to the pool surface also to avoid any splashing. I think the higher you pour it into the pool, and there's various theories on this, but if you're pouring it from 
let's say your height and you're like you're pouring it from three feet down you may lose some product effectiveness by just pouring it that way versus pouring it right near the surface so i don't know if that's been proven or not but i've heard different theories on that of how you actually pour it into the pool also affects the effectiveness of the chlorine but i would say liquid chlorine is fast acting so if you had a green pool and it was just barely turning green you can still see the bottom and you added, you know, let's say 10 gallons of liquid chlorine. I can almost guarantee you that pool will turn blue pretty quickly within an hour or two. And you'll find that liquid chlorine is extremely fast acting. Let's say liquid, you can pour it again in all pool surface types without affecting anything. And it's compatible with the other chlorine types. You don't want to, of course, mix chlorines in a bucket or in a small area or in the skimmer for sure. But it's not going to negatively react if you negatively react if you're using CalHypo, and then you add some liquid chlorine to that pool. It's not going to explode or anything weird like that. And you got to think about the percentage of chlorine anyway versus a fifteen thousand gallon body of water. But I I would say liquid chlorine is probably the safest chlorine type out there as far as storage and use. You're not going to find a easier or simpler chlorine type to use or a safer chlorine type. And last, when comparing liquid chlorine strength to a powdered form of chlorine, the biggest thing is that you're comparing a liquid percentage measurement with a powdered measurement. So if you had a bag of CalHypo, you see the CalHypo bag, you know, one pound of CalHypo says a 67% chlorine. You're going to compare it and you're going to be like, well, the liquid chlorine is weak because it's 12.5%. However, again, you're comparing a dry measurement with a liquid measurement. It's totally different. And I would say that a 65% CalHypo is equal to a 12% liquid chlorine. A gallon is equal to a one-pound bag of shock. So it doesn't quite equate right across the board. But just know that the liquid measurement is strong, just as strong as the powdered measurement. And sometimes liquid chlorine is stronger than CalHypo. Sometimes CalHypo is stronger. But don't let the percentage fool you in thinking that liquid chlorine is really weak compared to a dry chlorine type. So I cover liquid chlorine here, and I'll spend the next podcast on CalHypo, and then I'll cover trichlor and dichlor for you. And I figured I would just do one per podcast because there's a lot of information to put out there on each chlorine type for you. If you're looking for other podcasts I recorded, you can find them on my website, swimmingprolearning.com. On the banner, click on the podcast icon. That'll take you to a drop-down menu of podcasts I've recorded. And if you're interested in the coaching program that I do, you can learn more about that at poolguycoaching.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and God bless. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Yeah! Real quick, if you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at getskimmer backslash pool guy. Again, that's getskimmer backslash pool guy skimmer everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app